Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Sitting In. Uh, today, it's going to be a wee bit different. We're, uh, we're trying out some new things in the house and um, I thought it might be cool to do uh, what we're doing, Jack. Uh, we're going to interview you this time. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make it we're gonna, different. We're going to take a different... Yeah, yeah different and I thought, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to let everybody know about uh, the team here at Sitting In as well, because as much as it looks like it's just me doing all this hard work, uh, Mr. Jack Handyside is the man behind a fair amount of it. So uh, I'd like you all to give him a virtual round of applause right now. <laughs> well, so thank yeah, you. We, we had this idea, we were... Um, we thought it'd be cool to do something different instead of like interviewing people. Uh, we thought it'd be good for us just to have a hang and like chat about some of the things that'd be happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jack made it kind of aware to me that maybe he didn't know much about me, so maybe he'll ask me some questions. And um, yeah, but anyway, before we get into that, I would just like to thank everybody who has been supporting the podcast by sharing it on Instagram, MySpace, and all that. And um, those of you who have been getting no. tea, teesprings, teesprings, no, merch, supporting the podcast with merch by getting some merch. See, Jack, this is why I take so many takes to do the intro, because I just, it's hard. But it's fine, we're, Man, we're rolling it live it. for the first time. So, um, yeah, thank you to everybody who's been supporting the podcast. If you want to get some merch, you can check the thing in the uh, the description. It'll be there for you. And, um, yeah, anyway, how's it going, Jack? It's going well, man. It's a lovely Monday morning here. Um, it's not raining, so that makes a change um, from all the other days. But what about you? Yeah, what's going on with you, man? Yeah, it's been good. It's uh, raining here, actually, believe it or not. Yeah. No surprise. So, woke up to see the rain, and I was like, right, what are we, what are we going to talk about today since it's raining? But uh, no, well, yeah, it's all why good. Don't we, um, sorry, yeah, why don't we fill in kind of like what we're going to talk about as well? Because, I mean, there's, there's so much, obviously, but I think it might be interesting to... Um, but this is like weirdly me taking the lead. This is weird. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of like turn the spotlight on you who, I mean, you're often the host, but you're not of, often the guest or perhaps not often the guest enough. Um, so it could be really cool, I suppose, for you, the listener at home, if you like, uh, to hear about who Reese is, what he does, um, and just kind of explain where you're at right now with, you know, with music, with, with life um your headspace all that kind of thing um i just I, I think it could be a really cool little venture into who the host of sitting in is yeah and we're, so we're trying out something that? new in this episode obviously mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. every other episode it's been like kind of interviews and hang with other people but um you know maybe maybe we can share some mm. some stuff we today that would be different from if i was like actually speaking with someone uh like an interviewer of course, of course. So what are we, yeah, what are we well, doing, Jack? How, how are we getting okay, into this? Okay, all right. Well, it's my first time doing this, so you've got to go easy on me, man. You've got to go easy. Um, I'm sitting in the, in the Gilchrist chair. So, um, yeah, how has life been going for you? What is life like right now in Scotland in the pandemic? It seems like the question that you always seem to ask with these podcasts, because, I mean, it is the thing that's going on right now in the world. But what's life like for you? Is, is Scotland open? Is it closed? Mm. What's, what's going on? Good question. Um, I think I'll, I'll just be honest here because I think a lot of people naturally just say like it's very difficult and like everything's going crap but I'm not going to lie like everything's been quite decent here right it's like hmm. in Scotland I feel like uh, 
restrictions are coming and going and we're kind of back into some sort of a lockdown that's fine like we've been here before we'll deal with that but in terms of like me and like how I've been dealing with it it's it's been all right actually because I was fortunate enough to have started teaching online many years before this happened so I already had something happening but I think um because I'm able to like feel comfortable in that sense of things that's kind of afforded me opportunity to connect with other musicians and see how everybody else Mm -hmm. is doing and maybe offer some help when I can and um yeah I guess that's kind of how I feel about it right now Mm, but it's been very much like a a whirlwind a whirlwind a whirlwind because you know the first couple of weeks were like scary for like everybody Mm -hmm. it's like I'm thinking like am I gonna have any work like I teach music why would people want to learn music during a pandemic you know um but fortunately, there were projects still going that I was teaching it, and I had all my international students, and then all my local students just moved online because I knew I was already doing that. Um, so yeah, I mean, like in terms of work, it's been all right. In terms of headspace and mindset, it's been a way more difficult, particularly like mm-hmm. the first, yeah, the first month was just like, nobody knew it was going to happen. I didn't know if it would work out in the end or if I'd have to... I don't know, like get a real job or I shouldn't say that. Get like a job that's not music. You know, like I didn't know mm-hmm. what was gonna happen. Nobody did. Um but it seems like, you know, people still wanna learn music and that's great. Mm-hmm. Um obviously there's been no performance happening as such, which is again afforded me the energy to work on different things, like musically as well. Um so yeah, I'd say it's been like a time of great compromise, but also it's kind of allowed me some space to like go into some things that maybe I haven't put as much energy into or some deal with some things I haven't dealt with before, you know? So, um, yeah, I'd say it's been a learning experience to say the least. Well, yeah, that's, that's cool to listen to. I mean, can you believe now we have almost been in this pandemic state or half lockdown, half not lockdown um, state for now almost nine months? That's ridiculous, man. Nine months, that's crazy, isn't it? I know. Like, uh, yeah. But you you obviously seem like you've taken a lot of positives from um, the nine months that you've kind of had in which, I mean, like everyone else, we don't really have a choice. We we, we can't kind of um, do live gigs. We can't really teach in person. I know that's kind of, um, what's the word? I suppose it's flexible depending on where you are or mm. um, who you are as well. Uh, but you sound like someone who perhaps has had a nicer experience than others when it comes to this, because I know a lot of the stuff that you do is online obviously you teach online a lot um but you obviously teach in person as well how has it been musically for you in these past nine months has your experience of feeling and being creative changed in the past nine months at all yeah and if I mean, so sorry i'm like just add another question another i was just gonna say one. like how has that all changed how's your perspective on creativity and the arts changed in the past nine months yeah as i said it's been like it's been pretty chaotic like the first few weeks what happens like when not that something like this has ever happened to me before but there's been moments in my life when I know there's going to be more space in some mm-hmm. capacity that I might have to fill which causes stress right I'm um, like I need to fill the space maybe I need more students or maybe I'm gonna I don't know do this other thing right thankfully never had to do anything else but what I did do is I was like what am I going to practice like I need I've got so much more space right there's no gigs there's no even jamming so it's like what can I practice right now that's gonna make me a better musician when I come out in the end 
And uh, so at the very beginning, I went into that mindset of like, I'd writ up practice plans and everything and done that whole thing that I'd done when I was in uni. And I was like, this for 20 minutes, this for this, blah, blah. And we had many conversations about like what we've been practicing throughout the, the duration of this. And it's changed so much. Like mm-hmm. my natural thing is to like plan. And I do that and then I get bored of it after like a couple of weeks and I just move on to something else. And I've just kind of come to terms with the fact that that's the way I work. And I feel like that's something I've realized during this process because it's been nine months, but it's like nine months that we can all see in this little box. Whereas normally I feel like nine months in like real time, there's so much more happening and it's like, you know, the beginning of this seems so far away, but I can still see it very clearly because it's been very mm-hmm. samey. Um, but yeah, so naturally I started off, I was like, yeah, going to be really focused on this, that, and the next thing. And then that dried up pretty quick and it felt like there was, it could have been two months where I felt like I just wasn't really into it. It just like Mm -hmm. that initial hit was like gone and I was just not inspired, um, to, I don't know. I was inspired when I played, but I wasn't inspired to go further than that. Uh, so there was really a huge period of time where I didn't feel like I was putting in any work. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a depression or anything. I just didn't really feel like it was, I don't know, just the state of the world and everything. I just, I, I didn't feel inspired to like play. Yeah, no, I think you touch upon something that many people right now are thinking and feeling and they don't really have a conclusion for, or at least there isn't a, there isn't a conclusion that kind of puts everybody under the umbrella of I'm having, you know, um, this experience or I'm I'm not enjoying music or I'm not enjoying playing for this specific reason. It just seems like everyone that you talk to has either had this, currently has it, um, or can't kind of get out of it, which is another thing. Why do you think that most musicians, if you like, have felt uninspired during this whole thing? What's the reason for it? Is it simply just, well, there's no live music, nobody can play? Is it as simple as that? Or is there something else that's involved in in that? Yeah, well, I think... What I was going to say after that is that I'm very much aware of the process and I know that I'm going to dip in and out of things. I'm mm-hmm. not like, I'm never consistent for like six months practicing the same thing. So naturally I know that I'm going to, there's going to be ebbs and floats and that's fine. That's part of the process. But um, in relation to your question, I think, I, I don't know, like, I know this term's maybe been thrown around a lot lately, but it's like, I really do think we've gone through like a global trauma and it's like so much change happens so quick and Hmm. people's way adapting to that was like, well, people like me, it's like, Oh, what am I going to practice? Like you start planning and then some people just freak out and don't know what to do. And I mean, a lot of people have gone through a lot of crap and it's like, um, that's going to have an effect on like how you want to put your energy into like your art. It's like, it's a big deal. You know, and we can't ignore the mm-hmm. fact that so much has changed. Even people who have it like, like I've got a pretty good situation, so I'm lucky. But it's like a lot has changed still. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not just about work. Um, So yeah, I think that's obviously one side of it. But then kind of zooming into that a little bit more. When there's so much news coming out with several different kind of things that have been going on in the the uh the world it's kind of hard to ignore that there's just so much crap happening and i think mm-hmm. regardless if you think it affects your mental state i think it it really well for me i know it does so it's like just knowing about like all the horrible things that have been happening in america and 
um, alongside a global pandemic, pandemic which nobody's like experienced, it's just going to niggle away. And I think that, yeah, when there's like, not that the news really gives us much inspiration, but when there's even less inspiration <laughs> right. happening and it's all like doom and gloom, you know, maybe we just go into, as an artist, like we go into a different mindset and it's like, I know mm. I was focused a little bit more on like trying to learn about what's happening in the world and yeah, reaching out to people and like chatting about like, you know, how they feel about it. And maybe I just went into that different mindset. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I, I think you're you're literally about to touch upon um, something that I thought about a lot as well, which is this kind of holistic idea that um, creatives are in some sense linked to the world, the situation of the world, hence, you know, the term that um, art should be a reflection of life in a way um, and, and, and such. But there is kind of something in, in, in the idea that you can't really subtract what's going on socially in the world or what's going on kind of next door or around, you know, the other um, side of the world, I suppose, that you are knowledgeable, I suppose, um, of without, how would you even say this? I'm kind of trying to be too wordy about it in a way. I think basically what I'm trying to say is you can't kind of have a clear mindset and just look at practice as an A-B situation where you go from A to B because, you know, I have a lot of time starting in March and I'm just going to practice everything and end up, I'm going to continue being inspired and that's just the way that, that, you know, my practice is going to be. I think the problem is is that maybe maybe this is just perhaps an awakening for me personally is that everything else that goes on in the world informs why you pick up an instrument in the first place. And it's bigger than just like, there's a gig on, I'm going to practice so I can sit in. There's a gig on that's my gig that I'm going to go and play and whatever. There's like, there's kind of something a lot bigger than what is what is um, maybe only rel- relative, relevant, I suppose, to you. Um, I don't know, but it sounds like you, you almost are cut, kind of touching upon that as well, um, which is this whole kind of thing of things being interconnected or at least that you're, your creativity and your and your motivation and your drive for wanting to create something um, or play or just be musical or inspire others is built on just this feeling of like there is a mass. I know you used um, kind of trauma. There's almost kind of uh, yeah. There's a mass trauma that's 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 stopping people from really being um, able to stop worrying about what the future is going to be for the world. I mean, it's something I suppose very natural for um, us humans. I suppose. Um, which is is thinking about the future as well, and I suppose for creatives as well. What what one of the hardest things is like your future is is perhaps um, how would you put this less stable? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to say less stable is like uh, what's the word? I don't want, I don't I don't mean less stable is as a as a kind of worrying kind of term, but there's there's something that's kind of undecided about it, which is kind of nice. Um, hmm. And also kind of scared at the time. But now that everyone is kind of on the same page, I think that's what it is. It's a situation of everyone is on the same page, mm. um, perhaps financially, perhaps, you know, um, I suppose looking into the future career wise or whatever. Um, it seems like kind of everyone is just in this place of thinking, right, well, what what do I do to um, push on from here? How do I get past the situation that everybody's in? And I suppose everyone's asking the same question and coming up with the same answer, which is there's nothing you can do right now. There's, there's, there really isn't. And you can take positives from that which is you can't you can't do anything about it right now so do something for you mm-hmm. or you know you can't do anything about it right now so do something for somebody else or whatever um 
I don't know, would you kind of agree to that sentiment or what do you think about this whole kind of situation being um, linked to the kind of average creative mindset, as it were? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. I feel like that was like a in-depth summary of what I tried to say. <laughs> no, no, it, that was that was that was pretty much what you said. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting though that that so many creatives comes to this conclusion though, which is you know um, whether whether they say it or not, mm. everything that goes on outside, whether it's you know your ability to take a walk outside, yeah, or it's yeah, your ability yeah, yeah. to go and you know whatever yeah. meet up with friends or something, in, inspires your creativity, your songwriting, that kind of thing, and it kind of disappears and then everyone goes, well, I don't know why I, I, I'm not picking up the instrument at the moment. I don't know why I feel like this or blah, blah, blah. Yep. It must be, you know, the world is ending or something something morose like that. But th- there's perhaps a a more detailed explanation as to why it is. But it sounds like you're kind of already stumbling over that. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably not the one to go into the detailed explanation as to why that is. But mm. I think that creating a healthy lifestyle will have a huge impact on how you approach your art anyway right and i think again zooming back like the last five years it's like there are things that i've tried to practice like daily to keep me feeling healthy or like keep my headspace feeling like it's well a place that i want to be you know Mm -hmm. and continuing that through this situation has been immensely helpful for me in realizing that this is all a process and that we will come out and that you just got to deal with what's happening right now and that's all you can really do and so when these like ebbs and flows in practice or uh creative output kind of come and go i think I'm, I'm totally fine with it and it's like i just accept it as part of the process but i think that's largely due to you know the habits that i've formed over the last mm-hmm. five years or so um yeah so okay so that's really cool um so to go back to something that you you talked about just a few minutes ago you talked about kind of writing up all these things you want to practice and get done and that kind of thing um how do you think your practice has changed you know i suppose being in the house and having all this time like did you manage to get many of those things done or do you think your approach to practicing has has well i suppose again changed hmm I think what I've practiced has definitely changed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think similar to a lot of guitar players, you know, one of the, I think one of the hardest things to do and be like really competent and like confident with is like be a solo guitar player. Be able to play through a tune or improvisation, whatever it may be, uh, on your own with no accompaniment. I think guitar mm-hmm. is unique in the, you know, we only really, unless you're doing like the two-handed tapping thing, um we only really have one hand and you know there's only so many things we can do like if we're lucky we can play a triad and a bass note and then it's like thinking about all the moving parts so i found um you know just listen to a lot of piano players or listen to pan- piano players more than i had ever before as inspiration mm-hmm. for me practicing because uh, i had started practicing something a wee bit different which was solo guitar um so i think my focal point had changed because at the beginning maybe i'd been thinking more about um well not solo performance really because that wasn't going to be an issue i was hoping to record an album this year um (laughs) so and it wouldn't have been solo guitar it would have been like a quartet um so yeah i I think the focal point changed straight away i was like well after that first month of like hitting my head against the wall like doing the same thing i was like 
what am I going to practice is actually going to benefit me right now. And I've always wanted to, you know, I listen to someone like Bill Evans, right? And I'm just like, oh man, like that guy playing solo. It's like, or Keith Jarrett, for example, it's like, it's just, oh, I can't even put words to how amazing it is, right? And I've always been envious of piano players uh, for the tone, but also the fact that they're just like, they can just play anything they want on their own. It's like, I, I love that. The kind of freedom that that gives you. Um, so I've been trying to work on that on guitar. And uh, I feel like that was the largest part of my focus for like the last uh, four months or so. But again, that's been in ebbs and flows. It's not been consistent. Uh, it's been up and down. And yeah, I've kind of forgotten what your question was. So. <laughs> I know just like how your practice has changed. Because you, you yeah, went yeah. in with like a very regimented kind no, of no, list no. of it's, things. That... Again, like just me it's like the way that i work is that i will i always start with a list of things i, I write mm -hmm. lists uh, and that helps me get an idea of what i might want to practice but then a couple of weeks later i will not be following that list that's just the way i work and i'm fine with that um my students might be otherwise like i'll maybe try and keep them on the list just because i know that the level they're at is like it's important but i feel like i'm at a stage of my practice where and maybe this has been uh shown to me via the pandemic is that I really just follow like the vibe of like what I feel like that day or that week. It's like, I know there are things in the back of my mind I want to get better at and I will get better at them, but I don't do it by sticking to the same thing for like a whole month or three months. It's like, I kind of dip right. out of things depending on how I feel that day. You know, if I sit down and I'm trying to play a tune or if I'm not trying to play a tune, maybe I'm just like improvising and I feel like I've kind of hit a wall or something or it's a sound that I particularly like I'm like oh what is that let me dive into that so I think again like not having any gigs for the last nine months or anything like that has afforded me time to be a wee bit more like oh what's that let's follow that like I transcribed half of Bach's Invention 4 on guitar that's something I would never have done before I never play classical guitar uh so it was a beast of a challenge for me like it was so difficult <laughs> but um done a pretty good job of like the first half of it and I didn't mm. finish the transcription because I was like you know what I think I've got what I wanted from that and again I don't think it's because I'm lazy I think I just know how I work and that I wouldn't actually get much more out of finishing that transcription I think I kind of got what I wanted from that so again being afforded that type of mindset of I'll just follow what feels right this day or this week or this month and not feel tied to anything because let's face it who knows when the next gig will be um mm -hmm. or recording session or whatever it may be so um yeah i think i'm coming to terms or maybe i've came to terms with the fact that i'm a bit of a floor and that's fine like that's uh, do totally you, know, fine. you and i talked about it though we talked about this really recently um we talked about how as you kind of progress as a musician as a person as well your practice changes and i think what's nice is you have a very kind of positive approach to like this is just the state of where my practice is at right now. I mean, for, for those listening who, who were not a fly on the wall in that, <laughs> in that conversation, <laughs> we were kind of discussing like... Um, Why we suck so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not answered that one yet, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> the, the situation of when you are, say, you know, you're 14, you're 15 and you're practicing, you sit on your bed all day or whatever in your room just playing everything that you hear and it's a very kind of unstructured practice and you know maybe you end up going to music college and music university and you you have a very kind of regimented practice in um 
you know, sitting and working with a metronome and, you know, sight reading and whatever, learning tunes and working on technique. And then you kind of go out into the real world, whether that's, you know, as a musician or perhaps in some other career. Um, and your practice changes because you have a constraint on your time or a constraint on your, um, I suppose, your curiosity as well. You know, how much you're able to take in or how many opportunities are afforded to you as a musician. Um, so maybe, you know, music takes a back seat or maybe it takes a front seat, whatever. But your practice changes then again, where it stops being about, okay, I've got all this time to spend. Money isn't really an issue at the moment um, to, okay, practice is changing. And I think both you and I talked about this is, I think we both felt that our practice has changed in a way that is, I suppose, concurrent with life experience and, 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 and kind of what's going on as well in, in, in your day to day. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting because it, it sounds like you're touching upon something that most musicians sort of get to at a point in their life, which is their practice evolves as their kind of life evolves as well. So when they're kind of comfortable with, look, I know how I learn, I know what I want to learn, and I know how to get the most out of what I'm learning. It stops being a question of, okay, I need to sit down and get this until it's completely, you know, yeah. um, cemented in my brain. It's just a situation of, okay, I know how to take what I want to take from this. I don't mm -hmm. need to spend all day on this. I can, you know, spend two hours here, whatever, leave it, come back to another day. And it's there because yep. you evolve. And I bet this is a question that you get a lot as well with, with the amount of students that you have. Because, I mean, you, you obviously, um, just based on your your um, skill range as well. You have taught beginners all the way up to advanced players who all have the same question about how do I practice? Yeah. And how do you answer that? What, what, what is your advice for people who go, well, how do I practice? Um, I used to get a lot of messages on Instagram, like what's your practice plan? Or like, how do you practice? Like how, and it's impossible. It's like totally mm -hmm. impossible just to answer that to benefit the majority because I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're trying to get better at. Um, so my response to that DM is always like, well, what are you trying to work on? Or like, you know, I, I literally can't help you until you tell me that. Um, mm -hmm. so, I mean, I guess if we put it in a situation like someone taking a lesson, it's like, I'll just, well, I'll ask them what they want to work on, obviously. Right. And then I'll kind of get a feel for where they're at and then base what they have to practice off of that. I think what students have to realize like old or young doesn't matter where you're at is that there is not a cookie cutter process to like getting good at anything in life and guitar most certainly not or music for that matter it's like there is just not a one kind of size fits all or whatever approach it's just um you are unique and part of you being a student in university or otherwise like if you're a kid or like say you're older and you're taking up for the first time you need to realize that you don't learn the same as Marty Schwartz on YouTube, the way he teaches, <laughs> or like Justin Guitar, or any of these YouTube guys who put out great quality like beginner guitar lessons, but maybe you just don't learn like that. And part of the joy that I get, and I know you do as well, from being like a, a tutor and like teaching someone one-to-one -one is that our challenge is like, I need to learn how they learn because they might not know, right? Because right? Right. it's like, ideally you'd come in and be like, I'm a visual learner. I like, and they tell you how you learn, but most people don't know that. And as a student, even it literally does not matter what stage you're at, even if you're advanced, but you don't actually know how you learn. It's like, you got to just try a bunch of things out and be aware that maybe I don't take in stuff via reading. Maybe I take stuff in by listening, or maybe I take it in mm -hmm. by, uh, I don't know, like certain things, like everybody learns differently. So yeah, I guess that's like, 
uh, a summary of like how I approach kind of giving a practice routine. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when I've spent time with a student, obviously I'll, I'll know where they're at and they'll hopefully know where they're at a little bit based on our conversation. And I think, again, it's so hard to like give an answer to this because like a student I have who's like working on songwriting or production, it's like his assignment or homework is like way different from the person who's focusing on like trying to learn some standards. So it's like, again, I have such a wide uh, uh, scope for like my students, like they're, they're all working on different things. So um, it would be impossible to like draw a conclusion to that question, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I think um, what's really nice is you you obviously have um, personality at the forefront of your teaching and not just, you know, you as a person, but also kind of finding out about your students, which I think is really interesting as well as a good student or a good teacher. And I suppose we will have both been in these situations of having great teachers Mm. or teachers that you kind of vibe with, you get on with away from music because there's a I suppose there's a there's a level of trust, I think, that that you have. There's also a level of just um, seeing eye to eye as well that I think is really important in that they understand um, more than just how you operate on the fretboard or how you think about music. It's just like it's, it's looking at someone for all that they are and saying, okay, your best approach is to do this or like this isn't, this isn't set out for you. And it's funny, it's like um, I've taught a lot of people whose learning comes from, well, you know, I bought this book or I watched this DVD or I yeah. watched this YouTube and I followed it all the way up to here, but now I'm at a point where I'm stuck and, you know, you might say to those people, okay, well, have you studied under someone before? Have you taken lessons with anyone? And they go, no, I'm a good self-learner. And that's that's really great. But there is, well, I suppose the conclusion is always the same in that when they take a lesson with you, you kind of have to help them zoom out and go, okay, look, you're not going to be able to see this because you can never operate or see yourself in third person. But you have to have someone look at you and go, okay, right now you're looking at this issue way too deeply. You yeah. focus on this other thing because totally. you're not seeing the entire scope of things Mm -hmm. and i think people kind of miss that about teaching as well they say well you know how is a teacher going to teach me you know something that i already know or you know um i don't know information i can easily find out and it's like yeah but the lesson itself is is about way more than the theory or the music that you're learning it's about who you are as a person and how you push on from there um because we all have different uh mechanisms i suppose for learning we all have different kind of uh, points of view but we also have our own i suppose echo chambers and, and positions that we get stuck in and we need someone to kind of point us the other direction and go okay you've been going down this road for too long yeah i need to take a look at this and i think you, like Absolutely. you're talking about with having all those students that are songwriters or you know wanting to kind of get into improv or that kind of thing it's um sorry i'm getting really unstable internet connection right now so hopefully ride that yeah way. i can see that yeah, but it's it, fine I, I can still hear you Okay, well, it's about, um, yeah, it's about, it's about obviously kind of seeing someone for their personality as well and how that, that gets kind of implemented on their view of music. And it's nice that you obviously have that um, experience as well with your students as well, because I don't think a lot of people understand how important that is to having a good student rather than, you know, a teacher that's trying to make money. It's about creating a relationship with, with your students as well. That's the key thing. And I think... Obviously, I have different types of students in terms of like how they approach the lesson. Some people are extremely focused and they're always taking notes and they complete every task that I suggest, uh, whereas mm-hmm. some people are a wee bit more chilled with it. And I honestly, I think that's fine. Like, again, I don't really know what the perfect student is. I have an idea like what I like to be challenged with in a lesson. But mm-hmm. I think 
it's also important as teachers to realize that thinking back to the thing we spoke about earlier is that like you kind of need to know this person not on a personal level but like even ask them how their week's been and if they tell you it's been rubbish it's like that is going to impact how they learn you know and it's like psychologically like I don't I don't even think about it at this point but it's like just trying to make them feel a wee bit better about their playing even during that mm-hmm. lesson even if they're not like super killing or anything it's like they're just doing all right and that's that's fine mm-hmm. but like just yeah being like a more a supportive person as opposed to always trying to push your students in a direction like it's okay to come out of a lesson feeling like maybe you didn't move forward like as much as you had planned but you provided an environment for that individual to get inspired again and again mm-hmm. that's something else that i've realized you're during this process is um like yeah like the importance of being inspired kind of during like any situation and mm. uh you know being cool with like taking lessons and reaching out to people for help and it's like it doesn't matter if you you're not sure about what you're gonna learn or something it's like sometimes you're just paying for inspiration and it's like that's kind of what you need at that time mm. <laughs> but um yeah yeah no, that's cool that's cool do you think um I wanted to ask you this just to to hear what you thought about this. Do you think the, I suppose the, the art of uh, networking, I suppose, in the music world has changed? Well, I mean, it's obviously changed, but how do you think it's changed for you and how have you kind of adapted around that? Because, I mean, you're someone who, you keep up with so many different musicians all around the world. Um, and I think kind of also you being someone who likes to travel as well surely that's been a bit of an impedance on you because a lot of your um relationships are uh they're kind of in they kind of need that that element of 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 meeting someone in person rather i suppose or or just kind of keeping up with someone checking in with them that kind of Mm. thing um i suppose it's a yeah social interaction to make sure that all your all your people are in order so how do you think that's that's kind of changed for you yeah, I mean, like the rest of the world, um, we realized that Zoom was going to be the thing that we kind of spent right, most of right. our time on. Um, mm-hmm. Even <laughs> like, even just from a technical perspective, like realizing that Skype is like not as good as Zoom, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like using Zoom more. And my, oh, my natural thing again, like when something like this happens, is to like kind of catch up with people and make sure. It's not like I can go about saving people's lives. Like, that's just not possible, <laughs> right? right? But it's like just, again, the thing about like being there for someone and like I've done a lot of Skype or Zoom Zoom hangs, like other musicians and just kind of catching up. And sometimes it was people I'd met before in real life and sometimes it was people I'd never met before but we wanted to catch up and like see, well, just have a hang. You know, it's like that's kind of what the, the podcast is as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think obviously before the pandemic it's like travel was a big part of my life i mean it still is obviously this isn't the end of it um but you'll probably know and people who follow me on instagram will know that like i'm quite big on like actually just like meeting people in real life and right. you know i i traveled to new york last two years ago now damn um literally just for hangs like it's like I just wanted to meet all these people that i'd like been speaking to for years on instagram and so i went and i hung out with like so many great musicians and amazing people um and for me that's when a a connection becomes like uh tangible you know it's like i could meet you via this like Mm -hmm. platform so many times and i could get to know you pretty well but see when we're in an environment 
uh, together. It's like, I don't know, it's just like amplified. Everything's like, uh, it's, it's a lot better. And so kind of dealing with that, I guess I've just had to come term- to terms with it really. And it's like, it's fine, it's temporary. And like, I will travel out to different parts of the world and meet people and play music and I will do that. But right now that's not possible. So, you know, meeting virtually is the best we can get. And I think the things I've done to compensate um, is uh, I've kind of upgraded, like I've got a better webcam. I've got a couple webcams mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. it's like the lessons I'm given or the engagements are hopefully like high quality. <laughs> so it's like, it's <laughs> yeah. not, it's not going to be the same as real life, but I want it to feel like as close as possible. Um so yeah, just like small kind of changes and stuff like that do make an impact to the engagement. Um, mm, of course. But yeah, I would say at the beginning it was more difficult just knowing that I wasn't going to get out and see different parts of the world. But, you know, it's not the biggest issue. the scope of the podcast as well that the hope is really that this is more of a community in which people can pitch in and they know that their voices are being heard the questions are being asked and those kind of things and, and you know um you've got musicians on that are open to a dialogue as well and i think that's the thing that that gets missed about a lot you know mm. um with whatever you know the social kind of media world is, is doing is that there are real people behind um you know these accounts or these playing or whatever and and part of the music world or part of the creative world in general is to build communities with them so it's you know it's it's hopefully to try and get away from the screen and into the real world where Mm. a proper relationship can be established so it's interesting to hear about um your experience of that because obviously knowing you as a traveler and as a very kind of social guy as well um i can imagine that the situation kind of affected you um Mm. i suppose that way as well but yeah no so I want to kind of get onto something real quick. Um, <laughs> I've got an agenda. Or like, let's let yeah, let's let, let's change let's change the dialogue. That's then. cool. So, that's cool. That's okay. I think I think everyone has probably got to the point that they've heard enough of the pandemic. They've heard yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. We'll change the dialogue in it. So, what else do you do? And I mean, I already know the answer to this, but what else is it that you do musically as a as a as a teacher or as a performer that maybe the Instagram or the social media world doesn't see? And why do you do it? Wow. That is a great question. Um, yeah, there are a few answers to this. All right, we're keeping it to music. So um, it's worth, I think I have to go back a wee bit and explain like what Instagram is to me in order to explain what I do and why it's not there maybe. But I literally started Instagram as like a, a personal blog of my development basically, or a vlog if you like. I would just put up like, well, 15 seconds is all you're allowed clips of me like jamming or playing this thing I'd been working on it wasn't supposed to gather an audience eventually it did and it became this kind of well I guess like me selling myself as a teacher to some extent but more than that just like sharing music that was all I was about um and yeah I'm kind of at a place right now where it's like I feel like the 800 or 900 posts that are there don't actually represent me and I kind of want to start again I'm probably not gonna (laughs) but the reason I'm saying that is because there's so much more that I do with music than just like 
I can't stand when people refer to me as an Instagram guitarist. Like, nothing makes right. my blood boil more than that. And I understand why they're saying it, because they found me on Instagram. But, you know, if you find an artist on Spotify, they're not. A, it's not a Spotify artist. It's like it's an artist, right? Um, anyway, I won't get into that. So, yeah, I'm painted as, like, just, a, I guess, like a guitarist who, like, plays a lot of solos or something like that. But in reality, the most, most of the music work I get is, like, you know, you're just like comping for people and like playing chords or like it's it's pretty simple work. And I've worked with a lot of songwriters. I've done a bunch of like kind of just gigs with like singers and stuff like that. Not the kind of stuff you'd maybe expect to see of someone who's always playing melodies on Instagram, you know, like because that's the picture that you paint. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so obviously like in terms of that side of music, there's that. But then there's teaching, obviously I spoke a lot about that already. But there's this other side that is probably about a third of what I do that nobody really knows about. Um, and it's this thing called community music. And I guess it kind of sums up everything we've just spoke about. Uh, and it brings us together everything that I kind of believe in as a person. And community music is this thing that I didn't really know existed until I was there was a module available at university. I was like, well, the lecture is cool. This sounds like a kind of fun thing to get into. And... Essentially, community music, for those who don't know, is, I don't really think there's a definition as such, but it's like bringing, it could either be bringing together communities with music, or it could be like sort of, yeah, no, that's that's actually a good definition, bringing, creating community with music, right? Uh, usually in settings where they're deprived of... Uh, yeah, like they're kind of like social and economic deprivation of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I do I do that, and I guess I should tell you what is I do within that. So the way I got involved with this is I used to work with this jazz singer, and she had this uh, teaching gig. Well, I thought it was a teaching gig, um, and she was like, "Oh, there's a space you should apply for," it. and I was like, "Oh, cool, I'll do that." I had a meeting with the guys; they were so cool, super chill, and they were like, "Oh yeah, let's like let's start, let's do it." And uh, so I got this, like, uh, I guess it was a job. Hold on, self-employed, so it's not like a job. It's a, it's a thing. Um, teaching, teach. I'm saying teaching inverted commas, at this uh, community mo- music project, basically. And, um, yeah, the first session I go in and I'm, you know, I'm, I've been teaching a bunch of guys about, like, improvisation and applied music theory and such. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've got my agenda. And I get to this place and it's like a youth center and there's like lots of kids running about like causing havoc. Nothing <laughs> I've experienced before. It was madness. <laughs> and straight away, I was like, this is not the gig I thought it was. All right. I thought it'd be kind of like fun and stuff, but I was like, you know, there's like kids with like real behavior issues and like stuff that we have to learn to deal with. Um, long story short, I really enjoyed that i was like oh man i love the challenge like trying to get through to someone uh via music and like hopefully Mm -hmm. add some even just a positive to like giving them an hour like just having fun and feeling okay with like being who they are maybe um i know that's quite a big outcome but (laughs) you know like knowing that you can just provide a safe space was all it became really Mm -hmm. and um so i still i'm really uh active with that organization and they're called tinderbox project for anybody who wants to check them out um and what i do with them now is um i kind of well it's kind of hard to say because everything's online but what i generally do with them is that i was running like songwriting workshops with like a bunch of kids um 
and I was also doing kind of I done a bit of their guitar group, but then realized I feel like it's easier to get through to kids with songwriting than like just playing guitar. So I kind of wanted to do that. It's a bit more, uh, yeah, you got to dig a bit deeper, and I kind of enjoy that. Um, <laughs> but then another opportunity came up through that, and they were like, uh, "Oh, do you fancy taking over this person's session at the hospital?" And I was like, uh, "Sure." Like, what? Well, I don't know what that's going to entail. But these projects are often like that. You show up and you're like hitting the face with the reality of like, oh, this is not what I planned, but that's fine because I strive in that environment. I'm like, great, all right, what are we going to do? I need to improvise a plan. Um, so yeah, nowadays I do uh, workshops in this kids' hospital in Edinburgh and that is random. It's so random. It's like I might go in and I'll be playing a lullaby for like a baby that's like not long born, you know, like... Or I'll be doing like singing songs in a group. Like, uh, this is not the stuff you would ever see on Instagram of me, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's like I'm kind of laughing here because it's like most people just don't know that I do this kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, so, yeah, and, and what, that's what is it about that stuff that keeps you coming back to it as well? Because you're right, it's a very different experience from you know seeing this guy on the internet or on social media who can shred, who's you know great at theory, great, you know, a teacher, you know, you do all these other things that most people kind of expect of most musicians, but what is it that keeps you going back to, you know, the hospital, to the youth centre? Is there something in it for you that's a lot deeper than just the personal satisfaction of it? I think generally within the process of sharing music with someone via teaching or performance, right? So I'm talking about my students like online mm -hmm. as well, is that I just know and this might sound cliche, but it's like, I, I can see it. I know how big an effect that first guitar lesson has had on my life. Like it mm -hmm. lit a flame bigger than anything that's ever affected me in my whole life. And knowing that it just takes like a spark to like create a fire within someone's life in a positive way. <laughs> I mean, right. Obviously that's what I'm talking about. Um, is if I can do that in one person, I honestly feel like I've, like just yeah i can just be like yeah like i've made a difference <laughs> and it's like it's not mm -hmm. about me making a difference but it's about affording people the opportunity to like feel what i've felt because of music but it's not about me going in and imprinting my sort of like oh you need to play music because it's great sort of thing the other side of it is that you know like when you're in the hospital and it's like you get to firsthand experience the power of music mm -hmm. as like this thing that can bring people together in a way that playing a jazz gig might not. It's like people might be there together, like enjoying drinks at the bar and all that. And if you're lucky, people are listening. <laughs> but when you're playing music for like maybe a family who's like just had a baby or they're really sick and someone's lying in the bed all hooked up and stuff, but there's music, it just, it's so hard to explain what it does. But, uh, mm -hmm. It just kind of brings together everybody into that moment and kind of just gives space in some way. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's just so powerful. And I think knowing that through the power of like my guitar and now my voice, it's like I can kind of just give people like, even if it's only five minutes the other day, where everything's hectic, like hectic, like a wee bit space, and mm -hmm. maybe make them smile, like have a bit of a good time. And 
I'm so glad that like at the hospital most encounters are like that. Everybody loves it, everybody wants it. And it's like for me it just I if I wasn't doing this kind of work, I genuinely feel like part of my life would be missing. Like cuz mm-hmm. I wouldn't I don't know, it's just that extra thing that makes it feel like oh, this is like what music's about cuz I do all my stuff. I teach like all these advanced students and beginners and all that. But like giving to the community in a way that's like not really about their develop as a musician. It's about their experience of life, I guess. <laughs> or like yeah, you, you know, you're you're right though. Like you're you're sorry to cut you off there, but you're 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 talking about something that I think is really really relevant to now, which is like we we do live in this very technological world where um, if you like the spotlight can be on everyone all the time. The microphone is always on, every, you know, everyone's always listening, whatever. And there is this kind of very hedonistic thing that's going on in the creative world. And I think what's nice about you is you, you have often, um, you've said this stuff and you've explained this stuff because I think what's more important to you, it seems, at least correct me if I'm wrong, is that the effect that music has on others and how that can help them is perhaps more fulfilling than um, what it means to you. And I think there's something that's kind of, there's that's lost in what the world is now because i mean there's something great about teaching sure you know you teach a student and then you get something back but there's also something that's like okay i'm not going to go and play all these crazy fancy voicings that i've been shedding a week i'm going to go in and let someone else enjoy this and hopefully inspires them to pick up an instrument somewhere down the line and i think we miss that as well because think about it this way there isn't a more social art form than music there simply isn't in which you're calling on people to be involved, whether you're calling on their attention, um, their participation, you know, um, I suppose their outreach as well. All those things are, are, are part and parcel of being a social art form. And yet, if we look at where the world is going right now to this kind of, I already mentioned it, very hedonistic, um, me, me, me kind of thing, which I have to be honest, I do also get caught up in as well from time to time. We kind of have to zoom out from that. And just as you were talking about, you have to zoom out from it and say, okay, well, what is the effect of this music? Who is it going to hit? Who's more important than me? And it's they, it's everybody else. It's, yeah. it's the people who get to sit and enjoy it. Because you're right. You might play a jazz gig somewhere in, you know, cocktail bar or whatever. And you can sit there and play all your chords. And there's like two people out of an audience of 50 listening. Yeah. And it doesn't really mean anything to them. But you're right. You can go and you can play, you know, these great tunes, these catchy melodies for a family that have had their first kid. Or you can you can show music to someone who has never really experienced a live instrument being played with such proficiency in front of them. And they suddenly go, hang on a minute, I want to know more about this. Because I know for me, at least, that was valuable. You know, yeah. it, it sounds like you are very much on the on the wavelength of, of building community rather than audience, if you like. Yeah, uh, and I think it's a really nice thing. It's um it's something that I'd never really thought about as much. Like I actually think you're the person who's kind of brought it to my attention uh <laughs> it was via talking about something like totally unrelated to music mm-hmm. that we've been playing but um it was yeah you were speaking with someone else and like how they do this and it was cool how you zoomed out and then we started speaking about um kind of how you see me as someone who likes to make community i was like ah, yeah mm-hmm. i think i think you're right there and it's not that i don't value my own artistic development because that is like of course again like one third of the thing that i focus on i mean i even feel like the community music is still part of my artistic development because it's who i am and who i am is surely who i should sound like as well um 
but yeah, I just uh, like you're like multifaceted. To... Then you're like the the purpose of your creativity or your creative profile is multifaceted, in that you want others to enjoy it. You obviously want you to enjoy. It. You want to learn from it. Um, but like it, it's being open enough to be like, okay, I'm going to share this in lots of different places yeah. and show that you know. It can be applied to lots of different circumstances, to people in different circumstances as well. I think that's really important. It's not just about, you know, the bedroom shedder that can hit all the changes or whatever, or play at a million miles an hour or impress people for, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, fame or what. It's, it's about something more than that. Yep. And that's part of, again, the reason that I, I feel like my Instagram is pretty one dimensional in terms of like all the work mm -hmm. that I actually do. And I feel like, I know I just got to a point with that where I was like, this is the person people sort of think I am on Instagram. Um, I'll mm -hmm. just kind of leave that for a while until I release a record and then I'll just like get heavy into that sort of stuff. Um, but I don't know, it just doesn't feel right to share these things on social media as well. Like mm -hmm. I'll maybe post like a story once a year that the hospital shared of like me doing music or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think it's like a nice thing to share, but yeah instagram's just not the place for me to express my entire being i feel like in a room with other people that's where i can do that um mm -hmm. and again that's it's fine it's just a compromise i'm working on ways of trying to be a little bit more uh, all-encompassing and i my point the point of podcast is partly that mm -hmm. of course yeah no and it does come through i think there's obviously a lot of listeners at the moment who can hear that there's you know there's musicians as well that have either taken lessons with you or or whatever that, that that understand that about you as well and i just i think it's really interesting to you know start an episode like this where mm. we shine the light on that being such a big part of it because i mean you said it was a third of what you do and i think people forget how important that is for not just you but for everyone is like is knowing that you know um i always find this analogy really interesting is that you can you can sit i suppose behind an acoustic guitar if you like and the sound that you perceive will never be as strong as the person in front of it and there's mm. a kind of wider metaphor which is you know the effect that your music has is always going to be i suppose whatever nine tenfold on other people than it is on you yeah and so that kind of whole feeling of being self-critical about you know whatever it is your musicality your songwriting your performance whatever um is never really perceived that way to the people that you're playing to or sharing with and when you turn your focus to um are people enjoying it are people getting something from it everything changes for you your musicality changes you know your your um your reason for picking up the instrument your reason for you know leaving the house and going to the hospital changes as well mm -hmm. i think that's a really nice thing as well um but that's not it's, it's really cool to hear that stuff as well um and it's cool that people i think now are able to know that about you yeah um so yeah let's let's move it on a little bit more and we'll go to um something else that you are a great proponent of as well which i think again people would love to kind of hear i suppose right now as well which is headspace mm. you're someone that's that's very interesting whenever we've had a conversation about headspace and um keeping a kind of level grounding um either in practice or you know i suppose in meditation or kind of joining the two of those or listening as well um how do you keep such a kind of positive mindset in the things that you do whether that's positive mindset and practicing or you know any of the things that i just listed i don't <laughs> yeah how how do i generally keep positive i guess um i i actually have a 
answer to this that is a little bit more like just uh, formulaic. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was in high school, I got to study philosophy. And that was one of those experiences that like at such a young age, like opened me up to ideas that, you know, when you're 16, 17, it's like you just don't think about that kind of stuff. At least I wasn't. Um, so eternally grateful for that kind of being introduced to my life at a young age. And within that, I remember having a look at I can't remember what it was on, but it was uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And for those of you who don't know, it's, you can explain it in like a triangle visually. And if you think about it, I don't know how many steps there are, it's maybe like seven or something, but the top one is like self-actualization and the bottom one is like a basic needs, like maybe food and stuff like that. And I am a strong believer in like, I, this isn't like how I base my life. It's like, I don't think like, I wake up in the morning, I need to cover my basic needs. Uh, but it's all within like the way that I approach things in that you need to have like your stuff sorted out on a very basic level before you can start to, well, express even, you know? And it's like, um, yeah, a big part of me like moving out of university was to make sure that I actually had stuff that was going to enable me to cover the first couple of things on this Maslow's right. hierarchy needs. I never planned it like that, but that's the way I'm relating it to this conversation. Um, and so I think it's important just straight up to have your stuff together, you know, like it Mm. is going to be hard to like feel immensely positive about life every day if you are not eating enough food, right? Simple. Mm. Um, or if you don't have a house to live in, right? Obviously, um, those are supposed to be quite basic needs, but you know, there are people out there who, you know, there's no way they're going to be able to feel, well, I can't imagine there's a way that they'll, you need to get that. Nope. <laughs> All right. Uh, feel good. yeah. A, feel like good about their creativity if uh, mm-hmm. you know if they don't have foundational needs. Um, so it's like that kind of perspective. And if you're not familiar with it, just Google Maslow's hierarchy needs, and you'll have a kind of visual representation to what I'm talking about. But yeah, within that, there are things that I do to kind of take care of myself daily. Um, and this started uh, years ago as well. It was when I was in uni. It could have been like maybe five years from now, or nah. Yeah, maybe four years. And I just, there was lots of things that happened around this time that I can't be bothered getting into because it's not that exciting. Um, but I came into like the idea like meditation. I was like, what? What mm-hmm. is meditation? And I was so curious. And um, I kind of got into that and for the longest time was kind of not doing it right, but like still learning about it at the same time. And um, I don't think there really is a right way to do it, but I wasn't for me i wasn't focused on the right things um and so yeah anyway long story short uh i try and do it daily and i try and Mm -hmm. like just be uh yeah just start my day in a way that like brings me into like the the now if you like and i'm actually not too worried about what's happening later i'm just like trying to be present and the more i create those pockets of uh presence if you like the more i hope that uh, in my interactions with others or musically I can actually be inside it as opposed to like you know be doing a workshop at the hospital but really worried about like what I'm gonna make for dinner or something silly like that but mm-hmm. like yeah I guess I practice being here and a way that is a little bit more acute than just you know like yeah I'm here of course I'm having this conversation but like practicing the the art of being here I guess uh, yes. which for me is the point of meditation 
Um, but that is echoed in my music, in my improvisation, like trying to actually be present with like what's happening. And that has changed the way I play like infinitely. Like hmm. um, another thing that I like to do, uh, I think we've spoken about a bunch is like, I just think it's so important to stretch and like you can call oh, it yoga yeah, if definitely. you want but like again every morning like i'll come through and i'll like i'll just spend like 20 minutes like just stretching and this kind of mm -hmm. helps me with a couple of things it helps me like kind of just feel good physically in the morning which again is going to impact my day uh, but also helps me with my hobby which is climbing um because yeah flexibility is a huge component to like being able to climb up a wall in all these weird ways um yeah, yeah so those are those are things that help me stay positive but it's uh this is years of work not that right. i'm like some sort of like you know <laughs> this takes you years to achieve this kind of level of happiness i don't believe in that but it's mm. like it's taken me a long time to get to a point mm. where in a global pandemic maybe i can zoom out and be like that's fine it's just part of the process you know it's like this is just course, life yeah. unfolding I, i'm climbing is climbing is one i want to touch upon because Although it's a hobby, it's really interesting to hear you talk about it because every time we talk about it and, you know, um, you obviously do it, um, I suppose, fairly regularly, you kind of approach it in this really interesting way that's a lot like your practice in a way that it's meditative, but it's also kind of problem solving. Have you noticed that about, like, how you carry things out? Do you, well, personally, do you think of, you know, sitting at the instrument and playing as using the kind of the same as it were, brain components. I don't even know if there's a word for that. Hmm. Um, as climbing. I think that's a great question. And uh, the first couple of times I went climbing, right, it was very much about me just heaving myself a wall, wall, my strength. <laughs> and I didn't realize there was technique involved. And like, you hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> heaving for anyone who is not um, familiar with this uh, dialect means to... How would you put this? It's Push like yourself up the wall as <laughs> Yeah, just like pull yourself up the wall with like uh. <laughs> yeah, like just, just like with oomph. Yeah, yes. with oomph. That's it. Um uh, lo and behold, there's a lot more technique involved in that. It's, it's not really about doing pull ups <laughs> at all. Um and I think the older and older you get, the less I uh I'm encountered with or not encounter but i take on a situation where i'm going to be vulnerable and learn something new and mm -hmm. i'm sure everybody else who's like you know not 18 anymore like will realize that they do new things less and less um and that's something i maybe i wanted to change for a while and my brother went climbing once and he was like oh it's really fun i think you enjoy it uh, and i'm really bad for like trying new things that I know I might not be good at like I just have this anxiety about it but I done it and I was like I was actually all right at the first time uh so that kind of inspired me and I was mm. like all right maybe I'll kind of stick to it but the whole process of learning is something I'm really familiar with and I teach and we spoke about earlier like learning how people learn and all that stuff and so when I realized oh this might be for me very quickly it's like i know how i learn so i was on youtube watching videos of like different techniques and like reading up and like being inspired by climbing and so it just really mimicked the process that i use for learning music as well which is cool because like the older i get the more i'm like yeah i, I think i know how i learn right now mm -hmm. um so it kind of confirmed that in some capacity but within climbing 
uh, a lot of people, in fact, I should probably explain what I mean by climbing as well. It's like uh, the climb that I generally do is called bouldering and I don't know what the exact height is, but it's like, it's not massively high. You probably won't die if you fall. Uh, if you're outdoors, you can go pretty high and like you need to be really uh, in control. But anyway, you're basically climbing up a wall with your body with no ropes. And uh, a lot of that involves problem solving in that you kind of need to think like how am I going to move my body in this certain way and the more advanced you get the more there are these kind of harder kind of movements you got to do um so I think I mean I've not really spent much time thinking about like the link between climbing and how I approach like playing guitar other than that um it's confirmed a little bit more about the way I think I learn but also it puts me in a space where I have to deal with the now, which is again something that you know that I like to practice, and that comes out in improvisation and the way I teach and all of that stuff. So, again, one of the things I like about climbing is that it puts you in a space where you have to deal with like what is happening right now, in that you're climbing up a wall, and if you fall, you could badly injure yourself. Even if it's indoor and it's all safe, it's like if you're not thinking right or if you're not focused on like how you're moving, you could really injure yourself. Um, so I think, yeah, climbing takes my mind away from music and gives it a wee holiday for like a few hours. <laughs> uh, but an, uh, it allows me to, yeah, like come back to music, still wanting to do it because maybe I've done something other than music. Because for, for the longest time, I was, music's all I really done. I never really had mm-hmm. any other hobbies. And uh, so to find this one a couple of years ago was like an absolute blessing, like, because it just takes me out of like everything that I do. And especially during this situation where we're all like, probably stayed indoors all the time and like sitting in front of a screen and you know the fact that I can go outdoors climbing or like now the climbing gyms are open I can just like have a little mind break and like mm-hmm. do some like kind of movement which is uh great and aside from um you know obviously the break from practice I'm sure you're like me where you find that your you know your learning of, of, of music can be applied to so many different things or at least your your way of seeing um seeing things musically can be applied to lots of different things like you just there talked about problem solving and improvisation which are two things that you often talk about when it comes to playing and and, and improvising and you talked about it with with playing solo guitar as well um have you find have you found rather uh your skills and and kind of again brain mechanics or whatever i used um (laughs) before have you found those skills to be useful in in other kind of areas of your life, um, whether that's like, as you mentioned, kind of problem solving or patience. Oh or... yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, a lot of. I I mean, are you talking about like outside of teaching? Because for me, teaching is about problem solving for me as well. Yeah, well, you just you just mentioned there something that I think a lot of really serious musicians can echo, which is when you kind of get interested in music, it becomes your entire world, and you get really sort of over invested in it so that that you don't have anything in your peripherals that that mm. there just only is music and i think um you're right for a long time especially with musicians that are either starting out or that are intently kind of um focused on achieving a really tough goal maybe the f- for you know a length of, of years or whatever um to be really competent at the instrument is that's all they see it's all they do it's all they kind of breathe uh and you already talked obviously about trying to kind of break out of that and get something new uh, in your, if you like, in your triangle, your your hierarchy <laughs> triangle, have you found though that your your interest in music has 
I don't think it's subsided at all, but have you found that it has kind of right. applied the things that you've learned have applied to other things that you've done? Like, for example, has it made you more curious to try other things that, you know, oh, like yeah. climbing that might be, I don't it, know, knitting, it, if you like, or cricket? <laughs> <laughs> um, in a more, like, human way, it's brought me back in contact with, like, my body is a moving thing. Because, like, I think mm-hmm. a lot of musicians, like, you'll assume the position that you play in, and it's like, that's about the extent of you using your body, really. And it's mm-hmm. like, we are here oh i don't want to say we're designed because i'm implying other things but it's like our bodies want to move and again mm-hmm. thinking about the the hierarchy needs it's like if we're not feeling healthy within our bodies it's like you're not gonna feel healthy in your performance like so uh, i don't know I, I don't think i have an answer to that really but i think um, yeah i don't know just realizing the importance of like mm-hmm. having i guess it's an exercise uh in your life um but yeah i'm not sure i think it's probably given me the confidence to like try other things a little bit more um Mm -hmm. but yeah i sorry that's probably a bad answer (laughs) (laughs) you're doing great Um, okay, so what we've heard so far is that you are an avid climber, you know, you love community, you practice as well. We haven't heard much, though, um, about your actual creative aspect. This is something that maybe people assume might go under the radar, but we hear from time to time on, you know, your Instagram stories as you playing with bands, and people don't know this, but, or maybe they do, because you have mentioned it several times, is that you do have an album in the works, and you're also you know, continuing to compose and all that kind of thing. How has your, um, maybe your view at composition kind of changed recently or, or I suppose, yeah, just, just talk about composition the moment because it's, it's something that we've talked about a lot, but maybe, uh, I don't know, it's like a really poor setup for composition, but it, it's it's something we, we, that we've both talked about a lot and that you obviously have a lot of interesting ideas for. And it'd just be really interesting to know what your process is with composition like where where is it right now in your musical life or is it even there yeah i i go through again like big stages of like getting really into it and then i won't do it for like it could be months and at the beginning of kind of lockdown or maybe just before it um i started this thing where i was like really serious i got up at like i think it was like six in the morning every day and i tried to write for two hours and i'm mm. not gonna lie Nothing really came from that other than me kind of getting the juiciest flow in daily, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I wanted to achieve. I wasn't looking for an outcome, right? Um, so I guess I'm not entirely sure where it was going with that, to be honest. But um, that's something that I've tried and it kind of worked, but kind of didn't. But mm-hmm. I feel like most of the ideas I've written for this uh, album or EP, whatever form it's going to take, I've really came about through kind of just like either following a sound, which is maybe sounds a bit abstract, but like just following a sound and seeing where it wants to go or um, like life experiences that I've like mm-hmm. composed around kind of like there's a certain track that I wrote called Blossom and I, I can see the image in my head that kind of encapsulates and there's like a, yeah, I can, it's hard to explain, but um, yeah, I can see this situation that happened and like 
it just kind of unfolded in front of me and I had this like kind of realization of some sort uh nothing to do with like the the piece of music but that piece of music is kind of meant to uh take the listener maybe through a similar experience in some way but um mm. then there are other tunes that I wrote that were just like I don't know it was just a bit more I I kind of like to approach writing instrumental music in the same way that I would uh kind of just like a song like I like to have like a bunch of sections but like melody is kind of at the core of it and harmony is kind of either taking the melody in a direction or just supporting it um and so I, I kind of hope that when people hear the music they feel like there's almost a chorus to the music in certain pieces and that yeah it's all kind of moving in a direction <laughs> um mm-hmm. but i don't think my process has changed too much since like i don't know if you're just speaking about in relation to lockdown but uh yeah my process just kind of depends on so much it's kind of hard to explain what the process is if i was teaching it it'd be different you know to explain like how to maybe start with an idea but um i don't know what about you have you came up with any new things that you're kind of working on well it's interesting like the the pandemic um kind of has me in ebbs and flows with, with playing as well i think lately um i've kind of fallen back into wanting to play again which is really nice uh, so it's uh it's been quite tough trying to balance the relationship between being away from the instrument and then being back on it and then trying to produce something and then just trying to enjoy it for what it is as well uh, which is a whole other conversation i think but composition wise a really interesting one in the past kind of two years i have had to learn quite a lot about composing in lots of different spaces so again i suppose much like you people kind of look at me as being a musician that composes um i suppose jazz or classical kind of music for the guitar or whatever but a lot of people don't really understand that hopefully um my music kind of transcends that or my compositional ability kind of transcends that so a lot of the stuff i do is like uh i i don't even know how i would use this word but production i suppose or co-writing or ghostwriting or i don't really know if that's particularly the right term but yeah i write within lots of different mediums and and for me i've i've kind of sat down to write classical music pieces i've written stuff that's in the style of bach i've written kind of counterpoint stuff jazz stuff um, with quartets i've written for rock bands as well uh i've written in the pop setting and i think about last year i got to a place of thinking right this is really cool it's really great but i'm finding myself every time i go into this brand new situation for whatever the purpose of it is for you know for myself or for others that i'm always starting from scratch and having to kind of feel around in the darkness for what i'm doing and I suppose like a methodology has come out of it, which is really interesting, which I'd love to know what you think of this, right? So I had to come up with this mechanism, I suppose, or thinking or conceptual mechanism, if you like, for how to start out a tune or how to really bring the best out of a composition. And so I came up with something called, and I, I tried to teach this as well. And so there might be a few artists that know what I'm talking about when I talk about it. So let me find, uh, I'm going through my, my page of <laughs> books. Okay, so. This kind of composition theory is called the puzzle method, right? And it sounds very strange because you might listen to it and be like, what is going on here? What does this mean? If I, okay, so if I were to give it kind of a caption, if you like, the puzzle method that I've kind of come up with is a six-step sort of uh, theory, if you like. 
And it's very vague. It's, it's obviously very conceptual. And it's how to kind of complete a puzzle in the most economical way, right? So over lockdown, I don't know why, ended up doing a lot of puzzles, literal puzzles. Um, hmm. We had a lot of them around the house. And I think when you are in one place and you can't really leave um, your house, you end up doing a bunch of stuff that you didn't even think you would do. So, you know, whether that's like reading or if it's watching neo-noir films or whatever. Um, puzzles seem to be in and around our house. So I started kind of doing them and getting really like quite into them. It's really funny. Not so much now, but it got me thinking. And I suppose this goes back to our our conversation about how does your you know, your musical ability or your musical skills kind of work its way into other things that you do in life. And it definitely worked its way into to this. So at the time I was working with lots of different musicians and artists in different realms. And I was also trying to kind of write my own stuff as well. And as I was doing these puzzles, I thought to myself, is it possible to do one of these puzzles, you know, as quick as you can, you know, whatever, an eight or a thousand piece puzzle in as quick as you can? What is the most economical way? And I got myself to thinking, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why, maybe it's just the end result of a puzzle being, you know, this nice looking picture or piece of artwork, which hopefully a composition, if done right, comes across as, you know, you can sit and listen to it and it is, this, you know, this beautiful um, piece of artwork. And I thought, okay, well, the conclusion is the same, but is the methodology the same or could it be the same? So the puzzle method kind of is a six step program in which if you were to think about taking a puzzle box and you pour all the pieces out, you've got a thousand pieces on the table. What is your first process? So I'm going to like quickly walk you through how I at least, and I, I, I did kind of test this within, within my family as well. It's like, you know, how would you solve a puzzle? How, what's the best way that you would go about it? Here's kind of my way of going through it. So first I'd get all these pieces and I'd turn them all over so I could see all the colors of all the pieces. That's the first step. I'd turn them all over. Second step would be to arrange them by color because color kind of usually indicates that most pieces are supposed to go with the others. So you kind of end up getting some clumps and piles, if you like. And then what you start to see is uh, step three, which is creating a frame for the pieces, right? And so you can kind of find that like the flat sides, if you like, you can get these kind of right angled ones that don't have any, I don't even know what they're called. You know, the outward puzzle piece? I don't you know, know the, man. the bit that kind of sticks out. I don't, I, I don't even know if there's a name for that. But that kind of became the process for, okay, well, if you can find the frame, then you can start to kind of color in what's happening in the middle and the, and the shapes and, the, and, and whatever, the images. Mm -hmm. So once the frame is done, you move on to step four. Step four is establishing certain, you know, objects and shapes piece by piece. So you might see like a dog's face and then a basketball, whatever. Um, and then step five would, of course, be trying to put those pieces into the correct places. So... You might have all these places and go, oh, you, you know, the basketball does go with the dog. The dog is chasing the basketball. This goes here, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and what happens is, the, is the, the puzzle starts to kind of come to life. You start seeing the structure of where the puzzle is supposed to be and what the kind of story of the puzzle is. And the final step would be um, to kind of join all the individual pieces that don't really have a home into their kind of final destinations. So that for me is the most economical way of solving a puzzle. Now you might cool. be thinking like, how does that equate to composition at all? And for me, it was, it was about, okay, well, whether it's classical music or if it's punk or whatever it is, I'm always in this position of being like, I don't know what, what the starting point is going to be. Because sometimes I was working with artists that had material that was already written. And then I kind of started working with artists who had no material that was written and said, you know, we're going to get in a room and try this, or we're going to get in a 
Skype call and just talk about blah, blah, blah. And so it was about, okay, well, let's kind of add, let's add a step for all these things and try to come up with a methodology to composing a piece of music. And it wasn't supposed to come out as a, an economical piece um, or sounding kind of economical or sounding like there was a theory behind the piece, if you like, because I think that can get boring. But it was, it was being able to see things, again, as a kind of macro zoom out way of how a composition might come about. So my theory, if you like, and it's worked so far, so I'm, I'm happy about that, is one, turn the pieces over. Turning the pieces over would be play through what you have. Have you got any material? Have you sung any melodies into your voice memo or whatever? Um, do you have scraps mm. of melodies? That kind of thing. Um, and trying to grapple with the material that you have. So that even might just be, you know, lines or lyrics or, or whatever. Try and grapple with it and see what it is that you've got. Because you will always have something. It might just be going to the studio and playing simply a chord progression that's four chords long. That is the turning the pieces over. That's seeing what you've got. Step two is sorting the pieces by color. Um, and I think that would be, okay, seeing the pieces and trying to figure out which one is an intro or a chorus or a verse, or maybe it's strophic or maybe it's through composed. Um, and what is the character of this piece? Is it a happy piece? Is it a sad piece? Is it, you know, upbeat? Is it downbeat? Whatever. Uh, that kind of is step two. Step three would be creating the frame. The frame is basically, you know, the structure of the thing is now the basis has to be completed. There has to be, a story that links all these bits together. So that is kind of hammering home or, or nailing in the, um, the form of the piece. And so lyrics kind of do influence the story, if you like, or the, or the, uh, the influence, I suppose, behind the lyrics. Cool. Oh, that's a bit word salady. <laughs> um, yeah, so what you basically want by step three is, I suppose, a skeleton of this piece of music. So you want a form and you probably want some lyrics as well and perhaps some basic kind of chords and that sort of thing as well. Um, and hopefully a melody will come out of it. So you've got basically almost a lead sheet for what you're going to do. That's step three. Mm -hmm. Step four, if we go back to our puzzle analogy again, is trying to ascertain which bits are, you know, the dog's face and the basketball and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And if you were to apply that to composition, you'd be thinking about musical landmarks, as it were, you know, mm -hmm rhythmic things that bring the piece to life or you know bass lines that really start to get the piece feeling individual um hits that kind of thing if you're kind of in the jazz world it's stuff that's you know that, that that kind of puts the piece from being just a you know uh harmony and melody piece to mm -hmm. to being something a bit a bit more than that um so that kind of came through like you know looking at musical landmarks and integrating um parts that are interesting so and you know if you're a lyricist as well that might be word painting as well through mm -hmm. music so that might be you know if you mention the rain or something it might be uh i don't know uh the harmony kind of starts to fall down or, or whatever uh which is very kind of impressionist but it's very cool so now you're starting to get a piece that's coming together as okay this is this is really cool uh it's got like a real individual side to it so the fifth fifth kind of step would be to place the objects in the correct places so the dog and the basketball go together, remember? Mm -hmm. um, and that would be to figure out, you know, the dynamics, the texture, the um, where the band comes in, where the band drops out, where the vocalist comes in, you know, um, hits, accents, uh, instrument or orchestration, that sort of thing, uh, rhythmic patterns. Mm -hmm. That all kind of goes into, okay, we understand what the story is. We understand all these, you know, these parts kind of coming together. And then the final step is... Um, just placing in these small little bits that really make the piece whole 
that make it look like one piece rather than the missing parts. So that would be, you know, is there an aesthetic look to this music? You know, because I think what's really nice about vinyl, for example, or at least I feel anyways, when I sit and listen to something like Pink Floyd, I think about the Dark Side of the Moon album or I think about the Wall album. I think about something really visual and it almost gives a, what's the word? It almost gives a, a visual representation of what that music's supposed to be. And I suppose like maybe the fact that that's starting to kind of disappear a little bit is a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's really important to seeing what the whole piece is as a, as a, as a full uh, makeup. So that might be visual projections or this is a really cool thing is costumes and design and, you know, how it's performed, you know, mm-hmm. what are the band dressed in, like, how do they move? What's the, you know, what do they do on stage? That are all things. So, you know, the performance of sound effects, of lighting, of branding, um, post-production and, you know, how you want it to sound in someone else's ears, how you want an audience to receive it as well. I think those are the kind of the, the small little pieces that kind of make the whole thing come together. And hopefully by the end of it, you've come up with a puzzle mm-hmm. and you've come up with a song that encapsulates everything. It's got form, structure, songwriting, interest. Um, and it's got all the tiny little details of things as well. And for me, at least, um, also thank you as well for sticking with me through that really long explanation of what it was, <laughs> balancing two different metaphors. <laughs> but hopefully by the end of it, you have something um, that is a great representation, that you've taken everything into account that you want to take into account. And no stone has been left unturned. But um, I found that that method is really, really helpful for all kind of compositional outcomes that I'm kind of looking to fulfill, if you like. So for now, that's the the thing that I've kind of come up with. But I mean, do you have anything that's like that? Do you have, I know this is kind of very regimented and very thorough, if you like, <laughs> and perhaps not the, not the best way to go about composing, but perhaps something that's kind of structure that works for me. Do you have anything that kind of works for you when you go in to record anything? Are you someone that walks down the street with, you know, singing melodies into voice memos or do you take a notepad with you and write melodies yeah i, I do not have a, an approach like that that is like the most thorough approach i've ever had <laughs> so thanks for uh, giving us the world premiere or maybe not the world premiere but one of the <laughs> the, the earliest uh documentations of jack's uh puzzle method <laughs> is that what's called cool Yeah. Or an artist who goes, look, I've got a verse and a chorus and I don't know what to do with the rest. And that might be like, you know, step three. Yeah. And that's cool. Is they've got the rest of it kind of um, intact and it's, it's kind of flowing. But it's just to show you that really you can, you, can see, you can see music as a puzzle. You can see the outcome as kind of being a puzzle um, and how you've kind of got to hit certain things to really make it work. Because if you think about any of the, the great songs that you love that you're on your, you know, your vinyl, or your, your, your iTunes or whatever. They've got all of those things. They've got, mm-hmm. you know, melodic interest. They've got a storyline as well. And all that stuff can be factored into like improvisation or soloing as well. You can think yeah. about all the same things, developing a motif. Um, but yeah, it's not to say that there should be a formula for composing because not mm-hmm. every piece of music or every genre maybe uh relies upon that or works best with that sometimes it's literally about just going in a room with a band and just playing you know just jamming a bunch of free stuff to find out what sticks and what doesn't yeah 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 i guess the process is like uh it's there but it's not as like 
thought out and oh this happens at this like but i think mm. yeah within the process there are several elements that we share but um yeah i don't know maybe that'd be a good place to leave it and just leave people with something to work on it's like mm-hmm. maybe maybe if you're <laughs> listening um you should check out jack's uh, approach and see if it works for you what I'm do you think to, uh, i'm happy to yeah break it down like uh i think at some point soon i might kind of try and put up a, a live stream of breaking it down because it's very wordy it's very heady as well but It'd be and good to see uh, some examples very... as well, you know, like, oh, so here's a Of course, thing. yeah, of course. But, I think cool. there, there's probably a way to do it. But yeah, so this is, this is, this is my part. This is the all bit right, I get all right. you, you do, you uh, do. as a host. So I want to thank you for kind of allowing me to be the host today and kind of talk you through all these different things and hear what you have to say. And I, I really hope that the people listening as well who have enjoyed the past few episodes um, have enjoyed, I suppose, the content that you've brought um, because I don't think people realize so much the amount of hard work that goes into this uh especially on your part as well uh, which is which is really great and, and to always kind of have an, an episode out every tuesday or every second tuesday of, of the month is 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 a lot of work and it's a lot of dedication time so i think it's been really nice for people to hear what's going on in your life what are your experiences right now um and just to know that this stuff is 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 about community building, I think, you know, which is a really obviously a very big part of, of what you do. So, yeah, I have to thank you for allowing me to be the host and ask and, and poke around in your life and all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like I, th- I hope for anyone listening that they've enjoyed it as well and they yeah enjoyed it as well. Yeah, to tell totally. people about it. And obviously, uh, thanks so much to Jack for being the main man. He's, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be happening without him. But, um, <laughs> What was I going to say? If you are listening and uh, if you do want to support the podcast, as I said at the beginning, obviously we've got uh, like merch that you can buy on Teespring. Uh, I'll link that down below, but it's uh, teespring.com forward slash sitting dash in dash podcast. Um, and also those of you who have been sharing it on social media, obviously that helps us a lot. So yeah, anyway, without further ado, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Jack. And we will catch you in episode, uh, it'll be 18. Yeah. All right, see ya.